You're listening to ABC Radio Melbourne. All right, a change of pace, and this is a case that has been described as a tragedy. A 20-year-old with the mental age of a toddler due to a profound intellectual disability, as well as autism, found himself locked up inside the Melbourne Assessment Prison. He shouldn't have been there, and despite having an NDIS package of $1.5 million, there was no provider willing to take him on. And so inside jail, he stayed. All up... Francis spent 180 days in custody. You might have seen his story on 7.30 late last year. Well, today there's been a development in his case and we're joined now by Lucy Geddes, who is a lawyer with Mental Health and Disability Law Program at Victoria Legal Aid. Lucy, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. What's happened today? Today's been a really big day for Francis. Uh, The court has formally uh, withdrawn uh, all the charges against him. So it's the end of his criminal law matters. And how is he? Uh, He's doing pretty well. He's certainly doing a lot better uh, than when he was in jail. Uh, As a result of some uh, pretty fantastic advocacy from my colleagues at Legal Aid, as well as a number of stakeholders and also the Victorian government, uh, a plan has kind of been put together for Francis, uh, which is able to support him in a way that he needs. For those who didn't see his story on 7.30 last year, just give a little bit of background about Francis and then uh, what occurred. So, as you've said, Francis is 20. Uh, He loves trains. He loves Rihanna. He loves listening to music with big headphones. Mm -hmm. And he also uh, has a very significant intellectual disability and autism. And this means that he isn't able to live by himself and he requires 24-7 carers. He was living in awful conditions last year when I first met him uh, in a house that didn't have any furniture, a mattress on the floor with stains all over the walls, uh, with carers who uh, weren't properly trained to look after him in the way that he needed. And it was in that context that he uh, escaped from the house and he assaulted an elderly woman and he was remanded into custody. And he was, uh, when he was remanded, the service provider who were providing those services to him that was funded under his NDIS plan, they quit. And they said that he was a business risk. Mm. Uh, and that meant that he was in custody and we couldn't apply for bail because no one was willing to take on uh, him as a client. And it was a tragic set of circumstances because someone of Francis's age who's never been in custody before, um, hadn't had any criminal priors before, if he was to plead guilty to those assault charges, he probably would have got something like a good behaviour bond Mm. and wouldn't have been able to be in prison, wouldn't have been in prison. But he uh, only was there because of his intellectual disability, which meant that he wasn't able to plead guilty to the charges because he didn't know what that meant. What were the conditions like that he was kept in? Uh, Initially, I understand he was in solitary confinement for much of the day. So when uh, Francis was first reminded, that's right, he was in solitary confinement. He was clothed in a canvas smock and he was subject to a handcuffing regime which lasted uh, for the entire duration of his time in custody, which, as you said, was 180 days. He uh, was isolated from... um, 
nearly all other prisoners. And so certainly his experience of custody was more onerous uh, than nearly uh, all people in the general prison population in Victoria. What was the explanation given for, for those conditions he was kept in? Uh, he was kept separate uh, because of his particular vulnerabilities and because of his disabilities. And also our prison system simply isn't set up uh, for people who have disabilities like Francis. Francis is someone who should never have gone to prison. Um, he's someone who shouldn't be in the criminal justice system. His case requires a response, a health response. And he's only in this position because uh, of a failure that we have in Victoria where if you're an NDIS client, there's no guarantee that you get services that you're funded to get. So he had this huge package and a large amount of money that was sitting there, but because no one wanted to provide him with services, he was languishing in jail. There um, have been calls that from yourselves as well as other people that uh, there must be providers of last resort, that that is what the NDS uh, must provide, that when the market fails, uh, there must be those providers. Is that in case? Is that in place now? Certainly. It's been uh, a lot of work from Victoria Legal Aid, uh, Francis's advocates, other stakeholders, as well as the Victorian government and the NDIA all together um, have put together a plan for Francis that's specifically tailored to him and uh, seeks to um, get him into the best place he can possibly be. But that's something that has been unique to Francis. We know at Victoria Legal Aid that we have other clients who have been subject to this market failure mm. and these this uh, kind of bespoke solution hasn't uh, been put in place for them and that's why we need a provider of last resort. Do you we need a sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Do you think yes. this case is symptomatic of a wider problem? It's certainly symptomatic of a wider problem. Um, at Victoria Legal Aid alone, we know that we have other clients who have uh, faced similar experiences to Francis and we also know uh, that this is a problem uh, nationally. And that's why a provider of last resort framework is urgently required because we represent some of the most vulnerable people in Victoria and if we can make uh, a difference to them by ensuring that they can get services that they're funded to get, then it will be a safer community for everybody if everyone's able to get the services that they're entitled to get. I know Frances's mum was interviewed for the 7.30 piece uh, last year. What sort of impact has this had on his family? This has had a huge impact uh, on uh, Francis's parents um, and his wider family. Francis is an only child and he, his parents' lives have been, have been consumed uh, by what's happened to him. He, uh, it's every parent's worst nightmare to have a child end up in prison and be treated the way that Francis has. But they are also exceptionally resilient people um, they believe in the potential of the NDIS to deliver um, for people with disabilities, but they firmly are of the view that they never want Francis to go through what he's gone through again or uh, anyone else to have to suffer in the way that they have. And what about Francis himself? Have there been any lasting impacts of, of that 180 days in custody from, from what you can tell? Uh, I'm not a clinician, yes. uh, but I... From my interactions with Francis, I have seen that there has been a difference in his functioning from before he went into prison to now. And he's someone who has a complex trauma history and his experience in prison uh, has certainly left 
a mark on him and it's going to take a long time uh, for that to be undone. Uh, but I'm hopeful now that he's in a place uh, and has the supports around him that he can begin that process. Do you feel that he's found the right provider now that this could be a long-term partnership and solution for him? I am hopeful. Uh, the Victorian state government has been extraordinary in the way that they have been able to uh, get these service providers on board and it's certainly been uh, the longest lasting service uh, provider that I, I've um, since I've been involved in Francis's case and he has uh, clinical there's clinical oversight of the care that's being provided to him. Um, there's DHHS involvement. Uh, there's a number of other uh, stakeholders and actors who are in play. And that collaborative approach, I think, has put Francis in the best position uh, that he's been in a long time. But, of course, it won't be easy and the, tra and the progress is going to be slow. Uh, but I, I am hopeful. Yeah, sure. And just for those who did see that story late last year, I think that went to air in, in October. Um, when was Francis released from jail? He was so he went into custody on the 16th of September and was released on the 15th of March. And so, what year. what took so long uh, in the end for for him to be released? So Francis's case is a is a complex is a complex case, and uh, for many of our clients who have complex needs, uh, transitions to the community aren't easy. Uh, the department went through a number of different service providers, and there were a, a number of um, different things that had to be organised before uh, we were in a position to apply for bail, most notably uh, different accommodation. Sure. Uh, and the department have built a kind of bespoke house for Francis, uh, making renovations uh, for him and also, as I said before, um, kind of organising that clinical support, which was something that was um, somewhat absent uh, previously. And so that took, it took a long time. And it was a disgrace that uh, he was in prison in the first place. But now that uh, this has all been set up, I am hopeful for what the future holds for him. All right, Lucy, thank you for your time and uh, well done for your work on this case. Thank you very much. Lucy Geddes, who is a lawyer with Mental Health and Disability Law Program at Victoria Legal Aid, talking about the case of Francis, a 20-year-old with the mental age of a two or two and a half year old who found himself in custody for 180 days.